Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. There she is, all beautiful and made up. Tarted up like a common tramp. I don't have any makeup on right now. I just did my hers. <laughs> okay, fine. So just, at least you but have thanks. your coiffure. No, no, that's okay. I'm glad you thought I was trashy. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. It's like, I feel like that's like a Dolly Parton kind of compliment. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I thought you thought I was made up. <laughs> All right, then. You're like, that man thought I was a drag queen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Well, how was your holiday weekend? Oh, it was nice. We um, yeah. we went up to Astoria and just kind of walked around, and um, people were kind of dressed up for Halloween and just going out to places in general, I guess, and oh, kind of having parties up there. But. Um, we didn't really do much. I'm actually looking forward to next this weekend, upcoming weekend. Well, that's right. Um, it's goth prom. It is goth prom. Goth oh, prom. Well, it's a it, it's a it's a vampire ball that's been going on for like twenty something years that this dance group runs. But it we 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 affectionately, my friends and I, call it goth prom. Because no, there's no, like no. there's like basically two. It, it's done in this beautiful building. It's like actually an Elks Lodge, and so. Um, in the main building, they'll have like sometimes like a live band, and they do they call like classical dances and have lessons, and it's amazing, amazing, and people just dress amazing. And then like in the basement, um, they play goth music and like dark wave stuff. Naturally. <laughs> and there's a bar like, and it's small and it's dark and it's just it's wonderful, and everybody's dressed beautifully and spinning around, and it's great. <laughs> Love it. I love it so much. Uh, that's, so, that's so wonderful. <laughs> yes, I really hope you can go one day because it's one just day. really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'd be into it. It's one of those like random events we found that just like on a whim we went. We were like, oh, this is better than any club. Why? Yeah, yeah we're just going to this. You know, like we don't. Even, we haven't really joined their group. We're not members. We just go to that event every year because we're like, oh. it's an excuse to dress up because it's like the whole thing is like. It started as a vampire ball and the whole, but it's like, uh, the theme is you, you go in any, the time period in which you became a vampire. So um, you can pick anything. <laughs> it can be anything. It can be anything. And so, but even if you don't dress in costume, they encourage like black tie or looking really nice. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, it's still chic. like a formal party. Exactly. So it's yes. an excuse to dress up and look good and actually learn, learn to dance. Like you, it's a really That's great cool. way to like meet people who truly enjoy dancing and stuff and, and dressing up and costuming. So. It's Naturally. fun. It's fun. Can I be a future vampire? Like a vampire robot? Oh my robot? gosh, totally. Bait, boop, boop, oh, that's bait. the thing. It's like, what a great theme. It could be anything. You could be like a time traveler who happened to be in the future when they became a vampire. And then Ooh. you... <laughs> I know, right? I, and then... <laughs> Not that I've thought I, about this, but it just when that occurred natu naturally, it would be like that. I mean, clearly, 
um oh that's cool oh yeah, yeah. well i'm excited fun. to hear back about that yeah that's I'll, this I'll weekend pictures. right yeah it's this weekend yeah. Oh, cool. so yeah so by the time this this podcast comes out you would have experienced it yes yeah <laughs> oh, wonderful and yeah cool and I'm, I'm excited. My dress will be finished. I'll be wearing my uh, my my fabulous shoes that we got on our trip to L.A. My and oh my god shoes. shoes. And oh my god <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Oh my god shoes. I'll be wearing the Laura's on Saturday. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Golden. <laughs> like, the golden I built age. a whole dress around them bitches. <laughs> yeah. Golden Age Los Angeles had amazing shoes. Yeah. So definitely, if you're in the area, check them mm-hmm. out. They have cool shoes. And uh, tell yes. them that. <laughs> tell them we sent you, and yes. that we love. Oh, oh my God, shoes! <laughs> <laughs> tell them old Hollywood realness sent you. To which they will say, "Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sure, whatever." <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, well, anyhow. This is Old Hollywood Realness, the podcast dedicated to the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. I'm Philip Estrada, and that over there is Kathleen Nall. Okay, did you want to get into this movie? I do, yeah. This was so cool. I'm really glad we did this. No. (laughs) So this is sort of like a leftover, ooky spooky, sort of like gothy realness. You know, you can't come down off can't come down off a Halloween too fast, otherwise you'll get um, head spins. So Philip, would you say that this could possibly be episode one of our silent series? (laughs) Shh. <laughs> yes, this technically is the first of our sexy silent series. Sexy um, silent? Do they all, hey, are they all? Se- I mean, I'm not complaining, but are they all sexy? It's all sexy. Okay, all right. No, it's cool. I'm cool. Are we cool? It's, like, it's so sexy. It's, it's so, so sexy. Se- no, too sexy, Philip. Too sexy. Too sexy. <laughs> um, right. So this is a silent film. We're talking about the movie Salome from 1923. Salome. Salome. Um, it's a na- um, it's um, a Nazimova production. Yes, um, a film, and it was independently produced by the lead actress, actually, Ala Nazimova. She plays Salome, who is the stepdaughter of the King Herod. Um, Nigel de Brulier um, plays. J- I'm going to call him Joe Kanan, the prophet, who is basically the, um, it's the John the Baptist story. Mm-hmm. Um, the John the Baptist and Salome. I'm not sure why they changed the names. I didn't, couldn't really see why there was a name for reason for that. I could speak to that um, later. Ooh, yeah. this is exciting. So <laughs> Mitchell Lewis plays Herod. Rose Dion plays uh, Herodias, his wife. Um, Earl Shank plays Naraboth, the captain of the guard. Arthur Jasmine plays the page of Herodias. Um, the director of this film is Charles Bryant, and the costumes and production is designed by Natasha Rumbova, which is based on um, the the illustrations that accompanied the um, mm-hmm. the publication of. Oh goodness, why is this leaving me? And I didn't write it down. Oscar Wilde Salome. There you with go. With Aubrey Beardsley. There you yes. go. See, you knew all of it. Yeah. Um, so this was based on the Oscar Wilde play Salome from 1891. And um, the entire film was shot in high contrast black and white so that the sets and costumes matched as closely to the illustrations done by Aubrey Beardsley for the printed um, edition of Wilde's play in 1894. Um, so this is ni- 1894. Fast forward all the way to 1923 when it finally gets released. 
Um, so do you have a history with this film, Kathleen? Um, I do not have a history with this film. Um, this was the, well, the I I saw this film earlier this year because um, it was something that we had kind of discovered on YouTube. We were like, hey, mm-hmm. there's this movie that's out because I guess it um, the copyright is out on it or up. Yeah, but, it so, lapsed into uh, the public domain after yeah, like, a few years. Yeah, and so we, it was just something we had discovered, and we were like, hey, sweet, free movie, you know, and so. So um, it was uh, at some point, probably um, when it was like super dark and rainy around this time, I just I actually did all the screenshots for it. So it was something that I was able to sort of watch and kind of study a little bit. And then we never really we, we kind of banked it. But mm-hmm. then um, but then so with that, we picked it up again and then I did more research. So that's sort of my extent of knowing about it at all. It was um, uh, but but watching it, I realized, you know, and we'll probably discuss this later like wow like it, it really does seem like like patient zero for so much amazing gothy goodness almost like a nosferatu oh, it's like totally. the Nos- nosferatu yeah. of like lady like lady movies and it's just i was like what is this like what mm-hmm. is this and i and, and knowing it was tying back to oscar wilde who i'm i'm kind of a, a fan of as well um so i it it was great to to th- i really thoroughly enjoyed researching and and studying this whole story yeah Oh, that's, awesome. that's my experience. But uh, but about you? <laughs> um, I actually don't have much experience with this movie either. It was one of these things that I just happened to see. I've seen stills of it. I've seen, especially like I've def- I've seen like photos um, of the costumes kind of circulating around on like Tumblr and mm-hmm. like Pinterest and all of that stuff. Specifically, the one costume where she has um, the big feathered headdress on yes, the big white yeah. feathered headdress that's in later in the movie. And that was the um, first thing you sent me. I was we were like what 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 is this yeah, movie? Yeah, when I you know? f- I sent I found that photo and I was like we have to find this movie, we have to watch it, mm-hmm. we have to podcast it eventually cuz it was such a strange. It's so beautiful. It's like very like 1920s art deco showgirl. To us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, as well, you know, as a feathered headdress is yes. want to do with me specifically. Yes. Um <laughs> not so, to mention the oodles and oodles of pearls that she's just oh like I have too much pearls in my hands. Whatever am I to do with these luscious pearls? I know she totally. <laughs> uh, that scene is so interesting. It's so funny. She's just like on a big giant pile of jewels and she's like dancing around on it. It's like such a weird flash of like for five seconds. Oh, oh. for even five seconds. Um, so I have. Uh, so that's how much I was familiar with the movie. I actually have was familiar with the characters of the actors, like mm-hmm. um, of Alan. Nazimova herself and Natasha Rambova, the costume designer and production designer, because there was this movie called Valentino Mm -hmm. from 1977. Wait, um, is that the one with Leslie Caron? Yes, Queen. Oh. My I goodness. mean, so wait, I know first exactly of all, so, what you're talking about. So, um, so Leslie Caron play um is plays Alan Azimova in the movie in um in uh, Valentino, mm-hmm. and it's it's a super weird movie. It's one of those like His, it's, it's kind of um, nanners. Like it's yes, it's true. <laughs> I mean, this movie it's is seventies nanners. The, okay, first of all, Salome is a cuckoo bananas like it, it's cr- a crazy movie and then they make this movie called um valentino in 1977 and that is equally as cuckoo banana crackers as like where you're like 
Oh my god. Was just everybody who involved with this production were they just in straight up insane. <laughs> um but that movie is interesting because um so Leslie Caron plays Alan Azamova and Natasha Rambova, who is Valentino, Rudolph Valentino's wife, is portrayed by Michelle Phillips. And that name may sound familiar because she was one of the singers in the Mamas and the Papas. <laughs> yes. She's the the one wow. that's not Mama the one that's not Mama Cass. <laughs> So um, it's a very, it's like really interesting movie. Um, even though, um, even though Rudolph Valentino is um, portrayed by Rudolph Nureyev, a blonde Russian ballet dancer who is not really dark and swarthy like Valentino was. But if you can see past that, it's actually kind of an interesting movie. And there's a young Carol Kane in it. From you may, she's um, she's a wonderful character actress in From Like Scrooged, and she was in she's most recently in Kimmy Schmidt and stuff. She's super young in it, and she has this amazing Aww. like big giant blonde. She's got afro. the best hair, the best. She's like. <laughs> So she's so perfect as like a 1920s flapper in like, and it really gives oh. kind of an interesting view into the way, like how yeah. Hollywood it's probably sensationalized clearly because the it director is, yeah. is kind of known for that. Um, but he, it's a, it's an interesting movie and it's really cool to see like these characters like Fatty Arbuckle is in it. And like, um, you know, Rudolph Valentino and it goes through his whole life and it kind of shows like how Hollywood was like in the silent era, which was a little bit more wild West than it was once the Hollywood machine really got up and running. So it's, it's definitely worth a watch. It's just a little strange. Yeah. So just be forewarned. <laughs> also Leslie Caron's in it. I mean, and she plays this character. She plays Alan Asimova. Like, <laughs> it's like no other, like she, like from what I hear it is it's completely inaccurate but it's again movie you know like they're yes. doing it like it's drama yes yes but it's definitely worth a watch so I mean it's even just YouTube her parts it's pretty good <laughs> um, yeah for sure yeah so I actually was interested while I was doing the research for this I was really interested in um Natasha Rambova herself um, there's some, his I also got some history on like Nazimova, um, just some brief history on her. Like she mm -hmm. start actually started out as a Broadway. She was like a theater queen basically, um, in the early 1910s and she, um, basically became like a huge big deal. And then Hollywood for, um, was Hollywood came a calling and it was Metro pictures, which eventually became MGM. They brought her out in 1918 and they signed her to a historic contract of $13,000 a week. In 1918. Wow. And wow. Oh, this was this was at the same time uh. when Mary Pickford, who is the queen of Hollywood, was making only $10,000 a week. So they brought her out and paid her like yeah. $12,000 more a month. So yeah. that's kind of like she was a huge deal. And then she eventually started self. She was like, well, I don't need to rely on the studios to make these movies I can do them myself so she started self-producing movies which this is one of them that came out of that mm -hmm. and this is of kind of is sad because this is kind of the nail in the coffin on her production because uh, she ended up all of her movies that she did ended up being so flamboyant and so excessive and so big and over the top that they ended up like losing a lot of money because the production costs were through the roof yeah I can imagine um, 
Yeah, but Natasha Rombova, the costume and um, production designer, was she was kind of an interesting character too, and I would kind of want to look into maybe finding a biography on her to learn more. She mm-hmm. started her career as a costume designer. She started as a dancer actually, and she ended up hooking up with this guy um, Theodore Kozlov, who was a who was um, like a dance instructor and like a dance captain, and she ended up hooking up with him and um, got into some like basically an abusive relationship with him and she started designing costumes under him and he was kind of it was like he was saying he was oppressive and abusive and all of that and he would end up what he would do is he would take credit for her designs and all the historical research of the projects that (laughs) they worked on and so basically he was getting all the money and she was doing all the work and then eventually she met Nazimova um, on on a on a project that he was working on and it basically she she would like make edits in front of her without him there and she was like oh well you're kind of you're the brains of this operation like clearly so but she did so Na- Nazimova hired um Ra- Rambova uh, and th- to work on her production staff and that actually gave her the means to leave, leave Kozlov. So she ended up breaking out on her own and then Rambova met Valentino on the second film that she worked on with Nazimova called Uncharted Seas in 1921. They um, fell, fell in love, moved in with each other within the year and it, um, that was despite the fact that uh, Valentino was already married to Gene Acker. Um, he did eventually divorce his wife the next year and then they got married right after that um, and they worked together on four films but they were all wildly expensive and ended up being massive failures at the box office um, which is kind of a bummer he doesn't seem to have a lot of like his box office successes seem to be kind of like numerous but he was still a huge like heartthrob everyone loved him like it was kind of crazy um, and I also found interesting that Rambova and Valentino were also into spiritualism. Um, they were into like the supernatural and the occult and they main- uh, she maintained that interest for her entire life and she even claimed to be in contact with him after his death in 1926. I did not realize he died at 31 years old. I had no idea. Oh, like I don't know Rudolph why Valentino? that. Yeah, yeah, Valentino died at mm-hmm. only thirty-one. I just had no. I just didn't even think about that. I was, like slipped my mind, and I was like, "Damn, that was young." Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but they actually, um, they uh, their relationship didn't last that long. But um, so they got to they were married in twenty-two and then divorced in twenty-five, and it was apparently a very bitter divorce. And then he died in twenty-six. Um, and the reason the reason stated for getting the divorce is because Rudolph Valentino actually wanted a wife and mother for his kids and she wanted none of that she was like kind of a boss like boss ass feminist and I love it because mm-hmm. she was like I have no interest in children I have no interest in being a wife I want to be I want a job I want to work and be creative and I love that that's awesome um, so uh, Rambova is kind of known for her exotic and foreign styles of her costume and set designs she favored bright colors, um, baubles, bangles, shimmering fabrics, sparkles, and fabrics and feathers. Um, she's basically me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say she's your people. <laughs> she's our people. Uh, she was also she was also known to um, research e- extensively on projects for historical accuracy. Oh, she's which my Which is people. interesting. Yes, that's true. Uh, she's totally your people. And that's kind of rare for the 20s because generally they yeah. were just like, no, do they whatever. were, it was like, like they, yeah. 
whatever they could um, do. Yeah, they cobbled that stuff together and were just like, well, there's daylight. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really, really, I've seen, like, to what you're saying, when we were even in that little Hollywood museum, you could even tell for some of those, they were supposed to be, like, period, and I, period films that were early ones. And it was just a mishmash. Quotes. Yeah, extremely oh, yeah. bold quotes. Um, but, it, I mean, it was lovely to see because you're like, wow, that probably is a dress from the 1880s because that's out of somebody's closet from, like, 30 yeah. years ago. But, yeah. It's so interesting that she I had know. a fascination. I love that she had kind of a fascination with historical accuracy on yeah. that um, in the 20s. She did end up leaving Hollywood in 1927, and she ran a couture shop on Fifth Avenue in New York City <sighs> until 1934. God damn it. And I'd like to find out more about that. Yes, um, that would be to really amazing. To, to yeah. if We can find pictures even of that. That would be cool. So did you find out anything interesting in yes. your research on this I movie? sure did. I Well, I ended up uh, doing a little bit of research about um, just the play itself and sort of like, oh. where did this come from? Like, what is this? And then, um, you know, and so originally, so this play, um, yeah, like you said, it is based off of, loosely <laughs> based <laughs> off of um, an original story about John the, Bi- the John the Baptist from the Bible. Um, but, and I will sort of in a nutshell, it's uh, well, but uh, it's, it's, it's a really crazy story. Um, it's, it's like a, a boy, uh, girl meets boy, girl has the hots for the boy, uh, boy rejects the girl, girl dances for a sleazy stepdad, uh, girl has a stepdad behead the boy, uh, girl makes out with the boy severed head. I mean, that's sort okay, of the yeah. the that's, gist of it, I guess. That's the gist. Okay. Yeah. Well, <sighs> thanks for listening to Old Hollywood Realness. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but, <laughs> well, I say that because um, uh, that that is sort of the gist of the uh, of it. But um, originally, um, this is based on a play that was written by Oscar Wilde. And mm-hmm. he wrote it <laughs> sort of with that condensed version of it, but he did it in French. And it was right. at the time, like, he was sort of known as sort of being one of the founding fathers of the aesthetic movement and sort of that bohemian bohemianism of of the victorian times and um it's this was a it was supposed to be sort of a, a fairly anticipated play but he he wrote it with um sort of the intent of like I, he wanted to write about something that was really really ugly but he wanted to write it in a beautiful language and oh. so, yeah, like... Uh, That's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, like he kind of said, and I'm paraphrasing, sort of like, here's this beautiful instrument I've heard all my life, and I just wanted to, you know, sort of play this inter- instrument and see if I could make anything beautiful out of it, out of something really, really ugly. But it also was done in sort of like the as the aesthetic movement was sort of the art for art's sake. And that's what uh-huh. this really comes from. It's like, it is so bizarre. It is really bizarrely written. And it's very, um, it's telling the story, but it's, it's just, it's, it's very abstract. And it's, huh. abs- and it's not abstract for any particular reason, but just to sort of just do it. Just, just for the sake of doing it, there's no real intent. And it's like, just sort of, I, and I, to me, it's like underlining that sort of, that whole beauty of art. It's like, does it have right. to really be for anything? Yeah. Can it just be for this, this thing? Cause it's beautiful, like in a, a way for people to sort of, you know, just make beautiful costumes and say crazy right. shit. Yeah. And this was during, this was in 1891, which would have yes. been like the height yeah. of the Belle Epoque, like Art Nouveau. So and everything was like 
gilding the lily at that point. Like yes. it was like pretty on pretty on pretty. And and like they were like was... and and they were set to do it like around 1893, but uh, with like Sarah Bernhardt and um and it was set to debut, but then it became it, it was it was banned. And then it finally um, did premiere in Paris in 1896. And at that time, while Oscar Wilde was already in prison for uh, gross indecency, which basically was being <laughs> in prison for being gay. Yeah. Um, and the first British production of the play uh, uh, did not occur until uh, actually 1931. Oh, wow. But since 1891, uh, Salome has been adapted in a lot of different ways. Um, and the English artist, Aubrey Beardsley, uh, he was the one who contributed the illustrations to the English translation of the play because it was really do- originally right. done in French. And then... Um, uh, and there's been a number of like television versions and like I guess BBC versions and stuff. And so, um, and, and I guess uh, there's even been sort of an, uh, like an opera that was done I guess in 1905. But the one that I actually found was, um, believe it or not, Al Pacino did a version oh. of Salome and even like a, like a light documentary, but a few years ago. And like it was huh. sort of a BBC style like like done of the play. And Jessica Chastain played Salome. And it oh, was really, wow. really freaky to watch. I found a weird bootleg of it on YouTube where everybody's voice was sort of slightly high-pitched and robotic, but I watched it anyway because, you know, I am <laughs> I dedicated to my craft. So, um, <laughs> but um, it actually did help me because it was more like uh, uh, unabridged than the silent mm, film. So right. it really had more of the, it was, it was actually just sort of the full one act play that they did. And so it gave a little bit more context to the story, but it's still really done in that very abstracty way. Um, and oh. it, I was, it was, it was interesting, but um, it, it is a, I would say like kind of like a fearless work of art. Um, oh. it, it is, it is something uh, like, so it makes something super gross into something really beautiful. I know that sounds huh. really weird, but it does. Like it, like when I watched, especially when I watched the one with Jessica Chastain, it's like they do it in this very Shakespearean way where it's really, it, it really does. And it's like, and if you think about it, like it's so modern. It's so like, we're going to go there. Lady Gaga. Like you said, how can you yeah. take something so gross and make it so beautiful? How can you take a, a dress made out of meat and make it amazing. Well, that's yeah. sort of what Salome is. It's a meat dress. I like that. I love that, <laughs> that phrase. I Ooh, love that. Fr- yeah. I love that phrase. A fearless work of art. Yeah, that's it really amazing. is. It's just sort of. And I think wow. that her contribution, the way the way Nazimova did it, though, she took yeah. what, something that already was like that, and she was like, "Fuck it." Like I am going to do yeah. it and do it like this and like and really she stay seems close like, to that. Yeah, and she seems like a true kind of like bohemian for the twenties, like for the nineteen twenties. Like she's kind of a, a bit of that like, like overly dramatic theater person, you know, who could actually pull off doing something like this, and she does pull it off in an interesting way. Yep. And it's it really it reads the movie reads it's very, like. I'm, I mean, the pacing of the movie is, is interesting. It is. Pa- like, and, and, you know, and the original, the play, when I saw it, like, like a live perform one, it, it's like that, too. It's something you but it, it it's similar. It's similarly done in that cadence is very huh. similar in the silent film. Believe it or not, it's weird. It is wow. very, very weird. Um, but what uh, but what I love, is it's like it has no ties to the original story at all. Like and it makes oh, okay. no it is. No, it is not trying to be accurate whatsoever. Uh, it, the, mm-hmm. the original it, like it applies to nothing like the Joe Cannon that's what I was saying is like he made that name up he just made yeah. it up 
He made it up. He just, it's just his way of just, he took something and he made it sizzling for no apparent reason. Yeah. Well, you know? he didn't want to, so, you know, it's, you know, he it, didn't want to um, b- bust in on anybody's uh, copyright. You know, the Vatican kind of owns the Well, this would have been Bible, considered. So they were going <laughs> to. But no, but this would have been considered super scandalous to even oh, do yeah, something very, like this. Oh, yeah. Very, very blasphemous. Was, this was super, this was like more than a meat dress, y'all. This was yeah, like this... a lot more than that. I mean, um, think about it. Yeah. 1890, 1890s having um, a biblical play kind of like sensationalized and sexualized in yep. such a way. It would have been a scandal. And it's like it's yeah. like weirdly beautiful and horrifying. Like yeah. it's just it's all of those things. And that's what makes it so fucking goth. It's just like, ah, so it's so weird. Why? It's, we don't know. But it's fucking gorgeous. It and really is. Uh, yeah. This movie was interesting too because um, it was uh, so it like I was saying it was self she it was a self produced production so she self financed this movie yeah and it ended up costing her quite a bit of money she uh, she sunk in three hundred fifty thousand dollars into this movie Jesus um, which is a bit much uh, and so she. Um, so that's about five thousand, or sorry, five million dollars in twenty seventeen money, which is not a, is not a ton for a movie, but no, back but then, I mean, yikes. imagine it would have been a lot. Yeah. And so, and no major studio wanted to distribute the film, and it took years for it to be um, to reach a limited run in theaters, causing it to lose all of the money that Nazimova sunk into it. Wow. So she, yeah. So, so she, she was, was like uh, a she was like a Tommy Wiseau, like uh, from the room. Pretty much. <laughs> for yeah. Time. Oh. I wonder I yeah. like her. <laughs> I don't like him, but I mean, this is like, it's like the room of the 20s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> this seems to actually make more sense than room. A now lot more sense. Think about it. Someone who thinks very highly of themselves making a very, a movie that thinks highly of itself. I mean, wow. How could yeah, you not? Grow? It's kind of, like, yeah. It parallels yeah. to um, Tommy Wiseau is like, it's uncanny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the st- I can go ahead and start on the storyline real fast because it's a quick one, like you were sure. saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Herod, played by Mitchell Lewis, killed his brother, the king, and usurped the throne and married his wife, Herodias. Um, and it's not a happy marriage, um, to say, say the least, considering that... Um, it's considering that Herod is lusting after his stepdaughter Salome. Gross. <laughs> exactly. Ew. Ew. Um, <laughs> uh, so Salome, played by Alan Asimova, is the daughter of the former king and apparently bores easily because she is ba- bored and listless in throughout this entire movie, and she just she just can't catch a break with anything to entertain her. Yeah. Um, so Herod, Herodias, and Salome are a bi- at a big banquet with dignitaries and religious scholars, and everyone's having a great time, except for um, Salome. Um, Herod is leering at Salome. Salome is rightfully grossed out and doesn't want anything to, <laughs> doesn't want anything to do with him. Nope. Uh, she's like, nope. Uh, so she ends up... Uh, so she wants so and she doesn't want to do she doesn't want anything to do but get away from the party and Herodias is um Herodias's wife is yelling at Herod for ogling her daughter and then she starts fawning over her own piece of meat so she's fine um 
And then meanwhile, uh, Naraboth, the captain of the guard, uh, who is actually a prince, but and didn't get the throne because it was usurped, uh, his he's played by Earl Shank. And the page of Herodias, Arthur Jasmine, they are tasked with guarding the cell of the Jokanan. Jokanan! Uh, Jokanan. You watched it, so you know how to pronounce well, yeah, it. Well, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're highbrow um, now. We're watching. We we we're doing a classic. We're watching theater. <laughs> theater. Oh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so, Yokan and the Prophet, aka John the Baptist, played by Nigel de Brulier. Um, Naraboth is also madly in love with Salome, while the page thinks she is a bewitching woman and wants nothing to do with her. So Salome pieces out of the party to visit and seduce Naraboth when she discovers um, Yokanan. Uh, Salome instantly becomes fascinated with Yokanan and demands to be allowed to speak to him face to face. Um, Herod, a.k.a. Tetrarch, which I didn't understand what Tetrarch was. I just assumed it was some sort of name for a king. Uh, forbids anyone to speak to the prophet, so she is denied by the guards um, and Naraboth. So Herod sends a slave who apparently inspired Cisco to bleach his hair. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? This, this guy looks so weird. I'm telling you, this 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 movie has a lot of looks. It yes. really does. So Herod's, Herod's like, oh, go fetch him, slave, played by Cisco um, from the th- from Thong Song fame. <laughs> Uh, he, yes so he's all like booty go you look so scandalous <laughs> um, and he doesn't say wouldn't that be funny if the title oh card my did God. say that this, the, the, the dialogue card girl you look so scandalous um, <laughs> so he's sent to retrieve Salome and bring her back to the feast but Salome refuses repeatedly and th- I found this part to be very interesting because rather than return to the party empty-handed, the slave, with a running start, jumps off the cliff that the palace is perched oh on top God. of. I the was fuck? like, when I first saw that, he just like, there's like this pause, because and this movie is all long pauses. Yes. Like it's very much like long, Dramatic. like looking back and forth, dramatic looks and stuff, not a lot of dialogue. And the guy literally is just like, um... Uh, considering he like begs her to come back, he's like the you know the you know hero the tetrarch wants you to come back, tetrarch wants you to come back, and then she's like no, not going, and then he literally just looks around and then just like books it off a cliff. <laughs> I'm like. What, what is happening? What happened? They even show like the little like animation like from a distance, and it's like whoo splash. <laughs> it's like wow. Um, apparently he gets upset when he doesn't get his way because he probably would have killed him Um, so no one seems bothered by this suicide and Salome goes on begging to speak to Yokanan she turns her focus onto Naraboth rather than the slave um, the the guards because Naraboth has the keys so she uses her feminine wiles to mesmerize him um, and Yokanan and Salome end up, so he eventually relents and gives her the key. And then Yokanan and Salome meet face to face. Um, their exchange, um, was pointed with them insulting each other. Then Salome tries to seduce Yokanan and demands a kiss from him, um, which he refuses. Uh, all of this is too much for Naraboth to handle. So he kills himself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you guys got that, kids? You following yeah. along? So if your girl, so if a girl you lost after is lost after someone else, apparently the only thing to do in 1923 was to kill yourself. <laughs> I don't understand. It seems like a hasty decision. 
Um, a little hasty. A little hasty. So Herod eventually gets restless and goes to look for Salome himself. When the guard announces Herod, Yochanan is hustled back into his um, cell. Um, they discover Naraboth's dead body and are confused, but not overly concerned. Um, then Herod keeps demanding Salome drinks, um, keeps demanding Salome drink some wine with him, but she's not interested in that. Then he begs her to dance with him for him, which she will not do. This is all the while that, um, Yochanan is shouting insults from her cell. Um, he even calls for her to be killed by stoning or crushed by the guards shields. Oh, right. But before Um, that, she was like, she was like, can I uh, kiss me up, kiss you on thy mouth? You know, like right, like, yes, that's like what... She apparently instantly fell in love with him or, like, wanted to kiss him. Right, that like, was before the king showed up. Well, it'd be even before that, like, yeah, she was, like, yeah. she became enamored of him and kept, like, hanging around the cage and, like, that he was in and, and uh, you know, it's like, kiss me on thy mouth, joke, yo, count on, you know, and he's like, get away from me, bitch! And, <laughs> <laughs> and like, the whole time, almost... and she was, like, not having it. Yeah, pissed. for me it felt like for me it felt like she was like because Salome character apparently is like fourteen years old. Like the character is supposed to be super baby young. Yeah, and it's just for me it just seemed like a bitchy teenager who's like I want my way and I want you yeah. to do what I want you to do. Exactly. And so she's like he's not into me, so I want him to kiss me. Like that's yeah. that's how I and kind he's of read like it. and he's um, like back off, bitch, like back off, you yeah. little fucker. And she's like no, yeah. fuck no. you, you know. <laughs> She's she gets like, I'm it, a princess. it like it like makes her more because she's a fucking psycho. It like makes her even more intru- like the more he tells her like what her and her mom are like whores or whatever. Like the more he says, ba- you know, she loves bad boys. What can we say? Right. She loves bad boys. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, let's see. Uh. So he calls for her death from the. So he's yelling insults, like I said, and he um calls for her death to be killed by stoning or crushed by the guard's shields. Um, then she agrees to dance for Herod if he promises to give her one the one thing that she desires. So she does um she does a costume change behind a bunch of um behind a bunch of weirdly shaped um ladies in waiting. Yes. Uh, and then she then she does a dance, which was interesting. It's supposed to be like dance of the seven veils of of some sort of some sort, but her Veil interpretation dance. was a little like, "Wow, have you do you, uh, do you know what dancing looks like?" Because this is <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, dancing can I mean, we all have our own interesting ways of dancing, but that one was tough. Uh and then when she, after she's finished dancing, the king's like, well, what did you want? What was your one thing your heart desires? And she was like, I demand the head of Yochanan. So she wants his head chopped off. Yeah. So Herod is shocked by this and, and can't kill him since he's proclaimed a holy man as, and is in touch with God. Um, but I guess he's still a prisoner. I'm not too sh- familiar with this with the story of John the Baptist. Like, well, why was he in prison if he's in touch with God and all of that? I don't know. But well, anyhow. I, I know that like in the, in the, when I was watching the actual play, there's a lot more back and forth with, um, around this scene where, um, you know, he, when she asks for it, he's like, he first, he doesn't believe her. He thinks it's a joke. And then she's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm really serious. And he's like, no, and that's where there it launches in this whole monologue of him 
I could give you this, I could give you that, I can yes. give you half my kingdom, and it's just this whole thing, and she is not fucking having it. No. She's like, the more he says it, the more she's like, give me the head of Yokanon. Like, just, no, bitch. This is yeah. what I want. So he offers her all kinds of stuff, like jewels, he offers her peacocks, yep. he offers her all this stuff, and she comp- uh, she refuses every single one of them, wanting only the head Um of Jokanan. So Herod finally relents and he sends a slave to remove his head. Salome goes down. Eventually she, in this film version, she goes down into the prison cell and returns with his head, um, on a platter yes. on the shield, on the shield. And then she spends some time making out with it under her giant coat. Um, and everyone is super shocked by this. Yeah. And Herod orders her to be killed due to that. Uh, and that is the end of the movie, actually. So it's a this is a short film. It's only an hour and fifteen minutes long, uh, but you get two suicides and two murders. Yep. So yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with that, right? And you get, you get a lot of wigs. You get a lot of yes. wigs. You get a oh lot of God. costumes. So many wigs. Um, you even get when he he asks her about the peacocks. She has this lovely peacock sort of uh there's yeah. oh my gosh serving profile with them some oh. crazy like peacock well that was so headdress. interesting because there was when he offers her the peacocks and then he offers her all the the the, the cachet of jewels mm-hmm. there's these wonderful like kind of like cutaway dream sequences where she's like in like a tableau of like uh, it's like almost like a pe- living one of those living paintings where it's like she's part of it and there's all yes. these like, peacocks around her and it's super cool. Amazing. And then all the the jewels when he offers her all the jewels, that's the one that I've seen the photos of and I've seen like production stills and stuff of her in this costume with the big giant headdress and then she has these like big giant like almost like draped wings, but they're all made of pearls and yeah. jewels. And so she looks like a showgirl, like a twenties showgirl, and it's really cool. Um, definitely worth a look on that one. We'll be definitely posting that one on the Instagram feed. Yes, yes, we will. And I would also like to say that for this one, I mean, like, I really stepped up my game for this one. So, like, if you go on our website, I did this, like, shot for shot. Like, I captured all of the title of the title cards with, like, the, um, the dialogue with the movie. So if you don't feel like watching the whole movie, you'd like to actually scroll through it in succession and like basically see the whole movie, but in snapshots, like comic book style, um, this whole movie is like that. This is yeah, it's very is unabridged y'all unabridged. <laughs> and it's, so there's some really beautiful looks. It's though, beautiful. If you scroll through it. Yeah. Like that's the thing yeah. is if you look at it sort of as it is and you can, you can actually, you can read the cards and see the looks because a lot of these, like I kind of did it shot for shot. A lot of these, it's just like these really long, like freezes on these shots for a few seconds. So it's yeah. it was very easy to do that. But when you kind of, like read it and sort of see it, it it does kind of feel like a comic book. I'm just saying. I did a lot of work on this, y'all. Just take a look. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I don't I do this for l- all movies, but this That's one was true. like this is like the room of silent films. I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't resist. And it's and then also the Aubrey Beardsley thing. So I want to just touch a little bit on this guy. So he was an oh. artist. And the thing was, he did not live very long. He only lived to be like 26 years old. But oh, the really? amount of, Yes, but the amount That's of art shame. that he did was prolific. And oh, wow. the, probably one of the probably most famous uh, 
uh, like photos of him and I, there was a, again a portrait done he's only like 21 years old but he he looks like he could be our age I'm just saying people lived intensely back then <laughs> but um, uh, and also just the way they looked um, but he was he was he was cute he had a weird little kind of lurch haircut but he was kind of cute and um, uh, but he did these amazing this amazing artwork for the uh, English translation of Salome which is what they they really, really, like you said, did their research and tried to, to directly copy this. And there's these amazing, yeah, beautiful really shots did. of her in these sweeping robes that have been beautifully oh, applied to look like just like his his uh, um, illustrations. And so yeah. it's really amazing. But he did a lot of work in the time that he was around um, for different publications. And he is c kind of credited as being one of the lead him and like William Morris are really credited for being like part of the art, uh, artistic movement in the 19th century and, and ushering in a lot of that, uh, you know, um, that, that those kind of looks for like the art nouveau, which later became art deco. So, uh, me and Philip are big fans. We're big fans. Yes, of the I love art Yes. And so I highly recommend looking and seeing more of the stuff he did. Some of it was pretty racy and controversial at the time, yeah. he, you know, but, but he was still pretty amazing just really prolific and great in the little time these are like he just goes on my list of people I'm like why is there not a movie about this guy <laughs> or people like him like this was amazing just to even read about that part of time i thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it like i enjoyed reading about him and oscar wilde and just sort of the artistic movement and and just that whole you know what was going on at that time was really amazing and uh, great as far as like literature and the art for art's sake that, you know, we kind of take for granted was yeah. like they were champions of that. And we forget like that really does mean something to us. It's more than just it's not meaningless. It's good yeah. to have it's an a outlet. very it's, it's a very enjoy. romantic. It's a very romantic period, mm -hmm. too. Like it's highly rom the Bella Epoque was very romanticized that like 19, 1890s, 18, or into the 1900s. Like it's such a beautiful time period and everything was so pretty. And like they were doing such wonderful things. And this movie is kind of like almost a love letter to that. It in is. A way, I it think. really is. And the it's so funny because if you watch this movie, I bet you you could you literally watch like I've seen ballets where mm -hmm. they have this sort of like aesthetic where it's all very like uh, like very like it's it's very modern in a way it feels yeah. very much like modern dance or like when they do like they'll do like concept it's very conceptual like it has a lot of like all of the costumes are very interesting like all the costumes are like representative and flat looking and like nothing is meant to be like She's she created a world basically mm -hmm. for this movie yeah. by filming it the way that they did. Definitely. And like none of the costumes are like none of the costumes truly make sense, but in this context they do. Like the yeah. the like her we her wonderful wig that has the bobbles all oh, over it. The pearls. She moved. Did I show you yeah. that? Did you see that thing yeah. I sent you about the that? article? Yeah, yeah, there's that I had Dude. seen that article too. So that so oh. yeah, this so that wig that she has in it of actually still exists and was found re in March of 2015 in um, in Columbus, Georgia, Ugh. in just a, like a random in a random uh, like trunk. 
Yeah, beautifully t- preserved, my, put away. Yeah, but it's just, got it's pearls, and it, and did yeah. you see it? Like a, it almost looked like it was knitted, almost like little knitted spirals, like yeah, spirals it does. Uh, that to make up uh, like in either actual hair or in some sort of brown thread to look like hair, and then on the end of each spiral was like these big almost like freshwater pearls. It looked yeah. insanely amazing. It's but, so oh, cool. Oh, and I it's love so stuff. Ama- I love it's like, like shit like that is still found today. They're like, oh, I just uncovered this wig from this iconic, you know, silent film somewhere How random. Would that like be? It, it to me, this is like the modern pirate treasure. Like, oh, <laughs> think about the possibilities, Philip. Think about just like up in somebody's attic. Just yeah, just think about like discovered. lost films or costumes or something from that time. Yeah. Just just waiting to be like uncovered and unearthed. It's like, it's like American Indiana Jones. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! <laughs> it's like for fashion. Just what I've always wanted. (laughs) But I mean, just the looks in this movie are so, so interesting. Like the weird, like the weird actors that don't have any lines, like her weird, her interesting ladies and look like giant tanks. And then there's those weird, like, there's um those equally strange like um the dudes almost look like the, the, like almost Egyptian looking like there's the those guys yeah with yeah. the big giant pointy heads with the then there's the ones with the big pointy heads and then the veils behind them and then there's the ones with the giant oversized turbans yep. who were like the religious like philosophers and stuff they're so really beautiful like just strange and beautiful and I almost wish that there was more on this like more photos or more like just on, on the backup background people too because like there was like um like uh what's his face um the Naraboth and his yeah. weird costume where he has like the Wilma Flintstone pearls on for no yes. reason and he's got like his interesting like sponge hair his hair looks like made of like sponge balls it's and everyone's wearing like wigs and helmets and it's just yeah it's so it's it's worth a watch just so that you could see like what it's such an interesting time capsule and time piece, it is you know? it really is and you know one of the things that I was reading what one of the things that contributed to the cost of what made it so expensive was the fact that they had to build special sets to block out the light because oh, like yeah. they and then, wanted and this then to be relight and then relight it. <laughs> Yeah, and I could so, imagine it was like yeah. a nightmare. Because <laughs> they didn't film at night. It's like this is still a day job like anything yeah. else. So can you, that would have been enormously expensive. You know, a lot of films at that time were sort of built around have like they were daytime movies, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times. So, yeah, a you know, lot of silent film interiors yeah. were literally set where they didn't have roofs in the, or a fourth wall. Yeah. Because they would literally use the sun sunlight. Yeah. Right, and then as this, much as they could get it. <laughs> exactly. And then certain sets would be built and then used at certain times because they knew, okay, this would look more like, like nighttime or this, you know, like you, you yeah. just, you may do. And uh, so they didn't, they like, I mean, and that I, that alone, I think, could just be enormously expensive for what you'd have to do. But then also, too, like you said, you know, the the, the costumes. And I think that this is just one example. Like we we the, the statistics around silent films is that we've only we've we, we barely have seen just a tiny, teeny percentage yeah, of what actually was even made. So much of this so was made and scrapped and are so and are lost. Um, yeah. So this is just one teeny, tiny example tiny teeny slice of the amount the enormity and the effort that went into making one film 
even at that no. time, the costumes. And I guess this is more of note, yes, because this would have been more costly. But think about something that would even have just been a mid-grade film and still probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be pretty fucking fabulous. The amount of work that went into that is incredible. Yeah. It's Incredible. so wonderful to see that. I'm really glad that this still exists. Me too. Um, Me too. And apparently her other film, one that, the one that Camille? she's more famous for, Camille, is yeah. online as well. I, I know. We should do that free. at some point. I'd be interested. I would love to watch that one as well. Yeah. That would be really cool. Next year, we'll do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put we'll it on pen- the to-do list. We'll pencil in Camille because, you know, we're highbrow like that. <laughs> that's right we're highbrow now <laughs> did you get the memo mm-hmm. <laughs> um gosh there's so much to t- there's just so many interesting things to talk about in this movie like uh, it's just so many interesting things and you can't like, help but wonder like like even just like the end when she's doing her special dance and she's wearing that white platinum wig um and they do these amazing shots of her from the side where she almost looks egyptian you know and and she's she's serving these crazy side profiles and a lot of these shots that are just uh incredible but you know how many times have we seen that well I mean, I again, Lady Gaga. You know, that I, wig I just is straight I can't, up late. like Lady Gaga. I can't even, you know, but like, but this really is sort of almost like a like I think of like Nosferatu or one of those. Like this, this must, this is like Susie and the Banshees, like Susie mm-hmm. Sue. Cra- I don't even know if she even saw this at the time, or maybe, but that's yeah. what it makes me think of. It's this is definitely like one of the movies that you know launched a thousand goth girls. Like this oh. is one of those movies where it's like it's all I'm about the wigs yes. and the looks and the turbans yes. and the you know and the cloaks and the with face. oversized serving Ugh. that face that sad that makeup. beautiful oh face. God. And the I think that's what I love. It's amazing. like it's like something about being so so sad and so ridiculously sad and crazy and so beautiful at the same time. It's it's just it's like the, it's so achingly beautiful. She's I just love it. Sad boredom the whole time. Uh, sad boredom. I can't. Oh my that's... god! It just makes me think of Morrissey so much. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Well, he was a big fan of Oscar Wilde too. But it just it made me think of all that. I'm just like, yes. There's something about just. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna be sad, just be beautiful. Like you know, yeah, if, you're, well, if you're gonna just have shit, just be fabulous. Like while you're fucking feeling like shit, you know, might as well. <laughs> like I just love it. It's just like well, uh, you know, at least I'm going out like this. Oh, Kathleen, always the poet. <laughs> if you're going to be sad, just fucking go for it. Be beautiful. Balenciaga! Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I think that they, um, when I was trying to do research, um, the uh, uh, Rambova, she she was one of the characters on the uh, American Horror Story Hotel. Yes. I believe yes. as well. That they tried to sort of do something with tie in with yeah yeah i I don't i wasn't really i didn't i didn't watch that whole series i did not watch that whole series i only watched the youtubes on all the looks like it was just i watched like there was like a lady gaga montage of all of her costumes so i was like yeah she she did look good in it thank you that was lovely (laughs) um was there anything else we wanted to talk about about this movie before um, we wrap it up? Nope, I think that's it. This was really fun. I'm really glad that we um, that we invested in this movie. I guess you could say oh, yeah. like it was something that we, you know, we were like, hey, this looks great. We kind of banked it, and I hope we 
I, I would like to do more silent films because I oh, feel totally. like I want to like, do more silent films. But these were this was like a book report. Like I felt like, and it was okay. Like I want to do more research. I feel like there's there's so much. I agree. I, I, like I, it's love. It's like a pirate treasure. I just love it's it. Wild, it's <laughs> it's wildly fascinating. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like just finding out that these... they're yeah. Like the whole yeah. thing about finding the wig. I was like, what? 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 Like that's amazing. Yeah. And just being able to see it because when you see it in the movie versus seeing it in the picture, you're like, okay, that looks nothing like what it looks like in the movie. And right. that's like really fucking cool because as a somebody who you know builds things for a living, like I just was like, how? What? What am I looking at? What am I seeing? And so know, that was really so fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. it's just so interesting to see stuff too, what it would have looked like in real life. Because yes. the film quality back then just wasn't as good as it is. Well, it's not a digital high def. So of course you're going to miss detail. So it's wonderful to see it in, in like in, in real life, you know, just yeah. firsthand seeing what they saw. You oh know? my it's gosh. Like, it's like an yeah. instant time machine. It's so yeah. cool. Just like anything, yeah. any of these movies we see when they're actually restored, you're like, oh my God, look at the scenes. I know, right? Look at the yeah. beating. Ah, oh, Jesus. Like, you aren't, you already loved it, but then you're now you're like, okay, it's costume porn. It's porn? Yeah. What, what, what am I seeing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. But yes, um, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. That's about it. Um, thanks for listening, you guys. You guys can stay yeah. connected with us on social media. Shameless plug. <laughs> OHR podcast on Twitter at Old Hollywood Realness on Facebook and um, Instagram. You can email us uh, your thoughts and prayers at oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. Visit our website. Like Kathleen said, we're going to post, she's, I'm going to post all the montage of the photos from the movie. Um, and there you can also, uh, while you're there, there's a little banner on the side. You can click that when you shop on Amazon and support the show. Very easy way to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, go ahead and use that. Um, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe over on iTunes. It helps people find the podcast. We're also on uh, Google Play. Uh, we do have a we have an iTunes review. So much fun, says RP Town. This podcast is a lot of fun. I laugh, I learn, I live when I listen to it. Philip and Kathleen are clearly having a great time. I love classic Hollywood and their take on the films they choose, combined with their in-depth discussion of costuming is hilarious. It may not be for everyone, but for me, it is, as they would say, perfection. Almost, almost as perfect as Veronica Lake's hair or Gene Kelly's butts. Yay! Oh my gosh, our people! Woohoo! RP Town, you got it right there. It's perfect yep. as Gene Kelly's butt. In deedly doodly. Deedly doodly. Um, thanks again to yes. Hal Lublin for giving us his vocal talents at the top of the show. And until our next episode, thanks for listening to Old Hollywood Realness. Bye!